Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Good morning to you, wherever you may be, and it's always good to be with you. Um, Today I've been given a very good, very hard, (laughs) and very valuable task of summarizing Romans 1 through 8 for us. I often use a phrase that's like uh, drinking water out of a fire hydrant uh, to describe taking in too much information. Well, this morning it'll be more like drinking water from Niagara Falls. Um, I'm afraid I'll leave out far more than I can effectively communicate today. Um, and sometimes, you know, it's difficult to actually hear something different when you've heard it a hundred times before. I have this baby in this bath water that I'm cleaning. And sometimes it's, it's kind of like that, right? Maybe because you heard it a certain way, it wasn't very mm, palatable for you. So what we do is we take the entire bath water and we throw the baby out with it. And so I wanted to invite you to hear differently today. Because Jesus said, take heed how you hear. You got that scripture up there, Chloe? All right. So pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But to those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. That's from Luke chapter 8. I often wonder about how I'm in that danger zone when I think, yeah, I know that. Kind of I throw the baby out with the bathwater. And the reason I think I'm in the danger zone there is because it really smacks of dismissiveness, which is my tendency. I tend to dismiss. And I think I do it for several reasons. Maybe... I don't like what it says. Uh, Maybe I don't like its implications for me. Uh, Maybe it's calling me to put away something I like or love. Uh, Maybe I just don't care right now. And I crack myself up with the kind of dancing that I do in order to not address the things that are uncomfortable for me, not just in scripture, but in all of life. And having that in mind, and now you probably can't get that dancing out of your mind, uh, let's look at the uh, background of the book of Romans. Thank you, Chloe. So here's Paul's goal in uh, writing to the Romans. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous shall live by faith. The thing in in that passage that I find fascinating is that uh, Paul's trying to understand, and when when you bring up that other slide, bring up that next slide for us, Chloe, you'll see a little bit of the background of Romans and how uh, that plays out for the people in Rome at the time. Because it's written by the Apostle Paul from the city of Corinth around 57 AD, or that's 1963 BC, before coronavirus, since this is our new measure of pretty much everything. Um, that's, that was when it was written, right? So 
all what was happening at the time, and though Paul had never visited this church, he mentions these 26 people by name in the book of Romans. And I, do you, why do you think he did that? Well, I think he wanted to connect with the church. And when you're mentioning people that you know and somebody else knows, it kind of creates a bond so that you may be able to say something that maybe you might not have been able to if you didn't know anybody there. It would be just like a somebody you didn't know walking in off the street to give us something, right? It's hard to it's hard to hear when it's that way. And the church was made up of Jewish and non-Jewish followers. How many of you think that would cause some contention? Well, I think I see some hands out there. This is a colossal thing to understand when reading this book because about five years before this letter, the Emperor Claudius had expelled all the Jews from Rome. So when the church formed here in Rome, it was all Gentiles. And then five years later, the Jews, as well as Jesus-following Jews, returned to Rome. So now the church has both Jews and Gentile followers of Jesus. In practice, as you can imagine, it was primarily non-Jewish. But Paul wanted the church to be unified. So he sets out to communicate really what the gospel is all about. You know how you try to untangle a necklace that's been sitting in the drawer for years? That's got to be what this was like for Paul, right? But the primary theme running through Paul's letter to the Romans is that revelation of God's righteousness to humankind, what the Bible calls the gospel. And God's righteousness is imparted and given to us given to us. Do we use a lot of words sometimes that are kind of, I don't know, holy words like even that, right? Imparted. Who uses that in the normal vernacular, right? Probably not many of us. Um, although it could be that uh, obfuscating sesquipedalians may use it. Um, that just means confusing people who use big words. But God's righteousness is given to us through faith in Jesus. Go ahead and change that, Chloe. So this is where I want to, this is where I want you to hang with me, the gospel message. Don't throw out this baby with the bathwater. It's very practical for all of us. So don't throw out the baby. We all need to be right with God. And that's what Romans 1 through 3 talks about primarily, not just the Gentile, but the Jew too. And he mentions this in the first three chapters, how we all need right standing and intimacy with God. And he talks about what gets in the way. Uh, in essence, what he's saying is we do, what we do is we basically serve ourselves and not the God who made us. So like the Jews did after fleeing Egypt, they made their own gods, uh, ones that don't mind what we do. In fact, these gods play along with what we want often. And that's even the second commandment, right? Uh, you will have no other gods before me. And we can easily make one of whatever we like most, right? So I like this, that becomes, easily becomes my God. It's a challenge to live this life and to walk in it and enjoy things in life without making them our gods, isn't it? It, consume, it can consume us or our energies, and we have no time or energy left for hearing and responding to the real God. 
And Psalm 115 says that these gods, when we do that about these different things, they have mouths, but they don't speak, and eyes, but they don't hear. They have noses, but they can't smell. They have hands and can't feel, feet, but can't walk, and throats, but can't make a sound. And those who make idols are just like them, just like all those who trust in them. So I see how easily I fall that, into that myself. My God, little G, is often me doing what I want, whenever I want, even in simple things. Like uh, my wife hurt her knee pretty badly on Friday when we were out walking. And thank you for all of you who are praying for her. Um, she's still in a, a situation where she's uh, got to be checked out, maybe get an MRI. Uh, but we got her home, set her up as much as we could to make her comfortable. And uh, the next day, I was ready for her to be better. Transition? Translation? I didn't really want to help. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's embarrassing to actually admit it, but I really didn't. And I don't want to, and yet I do. Um, I want to prepare or work or do whatever I need to do, but I don't. Or maybe I do, but not right away. So these passages clearly lay out what we do. It displeases God. It's always something I wrestle with because I like to think I have it down. I know that. We all have the opportunity to, um, for God's kind of righteousness by faith in Jesus. If you look at the next slide there, Chloe. Get it, Chloe. Yes, next one. So we all have that opportunity to have God's kind of righteousness by faith in Jesus. That's another big word, justification. Um, Paul explains that Jesus is the righteousness of God and is the one who makes things right between us and God. So not only so, but he declares it based on the fulfillment of his promise. And, he, and he's talking about that all in chapter 3. And what he's saying is, God made this promise to Abraham that he would send a deliverer, that he would send, uh, that he would have uh, be the father of many nations, all of these promises he made to Abraham before Abraham did anything to follow a law or get circumcised or any opportunity that may seem to bring himself righteousness. So think about this. The righteousness of God being given to you in fulfillment of his promise. What does that mean? Well, it means that it wasn't something we had to strive for, something we had to earn, because truthfully, can we? I mean, I know that I can. And if you don't know that you can, maybe we need to review the first um, point there on a slide. <laughs> Uh, but in our cadres that we're going through, Brandon's book, uh, Learning to Live and Love Like Jesus, we talk about the human paradigm and the Jesus paradigm. This is the opposite of the human paradigm. This is the total Jesus paradigm at its best. And that's why the promise that was made way back before Jesus is fulfilled in Jesus and then beyond 
the time of Jesus to May 17th at 10.34 in Long Beach, California, right here, right now, this very moment, his promises for you. Hit it, Chloe. We're all justified and continue to be set free. That's what Romans 5 through 8 is about. So our final redemption is guaranteed. There's a lot of guarantees in this in 5 through 8, even though there's a lot of things that we, um, you know, we have a lot of uh, internal angst about uh, not having hope or maybe not having something that we had before. Um, and re relating to this coronavirus especially. But in chapter 5, it says, since we have been made right in God's sight, we have peace with God because of what Jesus has done for us. We may not have peace with everybody, but we do have peace with God. And then chapter 6 says, so since we've already had peace with God, can't we just do whatever we want? And that would be met with Dr. Ebel's comment from Austin Powers, how about no? So the answer to that is no. Uh, chapter 7, which is the biggest struggle I think we live in in this chapter, is where, as I described before, I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I want to do. I think that most of us can relate to that, because that's where it the stories come in that we tell ourselves about that we're not good enough, that we don't measure up. That's a, that is a common thing for me as I go through my life. Every, every new opportunity that I have, there's a, there's a new attack saying, you can't do this. You don't know what you're doing. You have nothing. You don't have anything to offer. Okay? Those conversations sound familiar to anybody? That's what goes on in me. <laughs> uh, and then, and then the glorious uh, chapter 8. I think Paul gets us by saying that in chapter 7. He really gets us and knows that that's the way we think. So that must be how he thought. That must have been his struggle too. And what if it were true that the struggle you experienced internally about your self-worth and value that you don't measure up was just a struggle, not the truth? In chapter 8, he says, there is no condemnation now for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right now, we have uh, our son's family playing, uh, staying with us. And we're, and of course, with a one-year-old, you're playing uh, one-year-old songs constantly. So my new favorite songs are Baby Shark and, uh, uh, you know, Wheels on the Bus. And uh, I got a new way to walk. So chapter eight is, I got a new way to walk. What it's saying is there's something new within us when we put our trust in Jesus. And that is the spirit of God is speaking to us. And you know what? We become more aware of it because we're living in this new way. And there's a, there's a word right at the end where it says we have, overwhelming victory it's uh, Huber Nikeo where it says I you have more we are more than conquerors through him who loved us 
And Nike even took that slogan, it means victory. But what kind of victory we're talking about where Jesus has crushed the power of sin and death is like a blowout. It's like when the Dodgers beat the Giants 19 to 2. <laughs> Sorry, my giant fans out there. But no, despite all those things, the overwhelming victory is ours, ours now through Christ who loved us. And sometimes we can be like that little that prodigal that Mary talked about. But sometimes we might be like the older brother who stayed home, who says, I know that. I do that. We forget. Right? We forget the preciousness of that gospel message. So the gospel is something that continues to work within us on the regular. Right? It continues. It's, a, it's not like a one-time-fits-all. I do want to say this. You put your faith in Jesus, and he's got you. That's not the issue we're talking about. But what we're talking about is there is a continual returning to Jesus that needs to happen for our sakes and for the sake of those around us. And that comes by the same way we came to Jesus recognizing the areas that we fall short where we're out of alignment, the Bible calls sin, recognizing those areas, coming back to Jesus, recognizing his work that has been done for us and receiving that once again and saying, okay, this isn't how I want to be. This isn't how I want to live. And then we say, God, you got to help me here. I know you will. I have, uh, I have multiple friends that I call and I talk these things through with. And uh, when I do, and they tell me things like, that's not you. They say, no, no, that, that, that you're following after or that where you're going, that's not you. Just remember that. You're a good man. You're this. You're that. They tell me things that build me up in the faith. And that's what Jesus is doing. That's what Paul's doing in this book. That's what Paul does and tells us in Romans 1 through 8. So now that we have that down, hopefully, and hopefully we don't throw it out like the baby with the bath water, I'm going to bring back Jason to continue our worship. We hope this teaching has encouraged and challenged you. We always have more resources available at our website, lbcf.org. And wherever you are and wherever you're listening, we pray you be filled with grace to learn to live in love like Jesus.